It is episode 83, Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, Monday, December 25th. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, insight, and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us in alphabetical order by first name, Blaine Disrude, research analyst. Welcome. Hi, Danny. We got Jason Cooper, research analyst. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. And Trevor Nargis, supervisor trading team. Hey, Danny. So I want to start by saying happy holidays to everyone. First off, thank you to all the listeners that continue to come back. You know, if you like what you hear here, feel free to share it with a friend, colleague, family member. As always, we enjoy making these and spreading the word means a lot. Let's dive in. So for the upcoming week on data, we have a fairly light week given the holidays, obviously Monday being Christmas. We have no data coming out, but then going forward, we have some data coming from the housing sector. Uh, We do get to see what the housing price index is on Tuesday, Wednesday, is an energy report, so we will see where inventory sit uh, from oil and gas and the like. And then Thursday, we get wholesale inventories and jobless claims uh, along with pending home sales. Pretty light week as far as data goes. There will be some treasury auctions coming out, but overall, fairly light week. As far as strengths go, Jason, you want to kick us off? Sure. We've continued to see better breath across the, the wider stock market with small caps being one of the the stronger pockets of the market. And what's kind of interesting is if you look at at it from a breadth perspective, the S&P 500, it's effectively making all-time highs. And you're seeing the formation, now this is a longer-term chart, but on a monthly basis, if you were to look at the monthly MACD, which is just a momentum indicator, it's starting to hook up in positive territory. We, we, we haven't gotten across yet, but given that this is a longer term technical trend, we haven't really seen a buy like that after a, a period of consolidation or sell-off since 2016. And when that happened, we had a pretty broad-based bull market from, I want to say, the beginning of 2016 through the back half of 2019. So if that trend can repeat itself, or potentially in for a treat. Well, and that's really what people have been talking about for the past couple months. I mean, we've talked about it ourselves, whether that be as a team or on this podcast, is that, sure, some of the mega cap names have really ran up this year and have been super strong, but in order to have more of a healthy market, if you will, you're going to need to see the rest of the players catch up, so small, mid-cap names. And you started to see that. If you want to take a broader index approach, you know, you can talk about the S&P market cap weighted versus the S&P uh, equal weighted, right? And over the past month, the the story has really been breadth, right? The equal weight's been outperforming the market cap weighted. So small caps continue to chug along. You know, people keep talking about concerns over next year, but from a technical standpoint, like you said, Jason, things have been really solid. And some of that got accelerated, right? Coming off of interest rates coming down. And we talk, I know Jack DeRoche last week talked about interest rate sensitive assets being a very strong performer here recently. And one of those that has benefited from that has been financials. Uh, we've talked about that on the team. Part of the rationale behind that is there's multiple pieces, but the balance sheet improves for a bank who, in, in essence, went out and bought a lot of longer-dated treasuries. And now it either has those held for uh, marketable securities or held to maturity. On the flip of that, given what's happened in the interest rate side of the market, you've actually gotten to the point where some of the banks are actually having the opportunity to do some arbitrage with the bank funding program that was introduced back in March given the Silicon Valley bank collapse that we had. That rate that banks can, in essence, put their held to maturity assets on the books, get charged the overnight rate plus 10, they can actually turn that around and go and invest that assets. And they're they're picking up yield. We actually saw uh, an increase in that 
facility here just over the last week or two. Uh, and it's not because the banks are struggling. It's because there's that opportunity for them to, in essence, pick up alpha, if you will, or just pick up net interest margin just by putting uh, deposits at the Fed. When you think about yields coming down, too, just with respect to small caps, we've been speaking about this wall of maturities on the debt side for a lot of these companies that have higher levels of leverage. And the prospect of them having to roll over their debt at higher yields, that certainly was a a catalyst for the sell-off. But with yields coming down, there's the prospect that, hey, maybe they won't have to refi at such a steep rate. So it's benefited financials, but it's also benefited down capitalization names as well. Yeah, and a lot of those smaller cap names, right, usually sit borderline junk. So when you have spreads tighten like we saw, and we've talked about that, where rates have come down, but spreads have also come in with that, which is somewhat unusual. It gives all the more propellants, if you will, for small caps to outperform there. Speaking of that, when we look at that outperformance, some of that has also been coming from outside the U.S., and part of that's been the dollar weakness, right? So if we're talking about our weaknesses, the dollar has just been weak so far over the last several months, actually. Uh, And a lot of that's been interest rates coming down since October. Yeah, we've been watching some key levels there. And, you know, there's been pockets of resistance for, you know, those of you who subscribe to any sort of technical analysis. You know, obviously it can be a tool in your toolkit that you can use to help analyze things. But obviously doing your homework is is extremely important, you know, analyzing macro fundamentals, all that fun stuff. But, yeah, have just seen some general resistance there. And, you know, looking back somewhat on strengths, typically when you see a weaker dollar, it tends to be somewhat of a boon for international international markets in general. I'm just giving kind of the exchange rate dynamics there. But overall, with the dollar being a global reserve currency, it tends to be a pretty positive thing for asset prices in general. So yes, the dollar has been weak, has been somewhat of a strength for markets. Yes, especially those emerging markets, you know, with, with the dollar being the global reserve currency, a lot of those countries or companies within those countries take on dollar-denominated debt. So when you have a weakening dollar, it becomes easier for them to make interest payments or repay principal. But I guess, you know, as we do discuss weaknesses, one of the areas that we've been talking about as a team is valuations. You know, you can look at the multiple on the S&P, and it's probably approaching 20 now, you know, certainly 19 times. And there is just a lot of good news priced in. I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we looked at some of the individual equity portfolios that we run, they were trading at a pretty steep discount to fair value. And, and now it's getting to the point where they're approaching fair value. And that's not necessarily a problem because you calculate those um, valuations based on uh, a, a prevailing discount rate. And we tend to use you know between 11 and 14% for individual equity securities. So if everything plays out well and you get the earnings growth that's anticipated, then maybe you can compound at a rate in line with that discount rate. But the real risk is if the earnings season starts to deteriorate in next year. I mean, that's the real thing, right? Valuations that might be viewed as lofty can be justified if if the growth is there. But if it's not or things come in worse than expected, certainly something to, to think about. What you said, Jason, brings me back to something I just said a little earlier about the health of the market. You know, you talked about how quickly you've kind of seen multiples expand and I don't want to contradict myself, but it also can make you question kind of the health of how quick this run-up has been. I mean, you look at any chart of a broader index, 
and things have just appeared to go vertical over the past couple of weeks. Definitely not a bad idea to kind of take a step back, look at what you own, why you own it, do the homework. It's, it's important to continually reevaluate what, what's going on underneath the hood. Well, that gets all at like the Magnificent Seven and how they've kind of in essence, underperformed compared to the broader market here recently. You had valuations in those Magnificent Seven jump up, right, because of the expectations of what generative AI can do for those companies, the leverage that they can pull, leaving the broader market behind. And now it's, okay, those valuations got to a point where it's, okay, is it really justified where they're at or is there better areas to invest your capital on lower multiple companies that maybe not have taken in part the generative AI craze that we've seen over this last year. Yeah, and I mean, it all comes back to justification too, right? Because those multiples can be grown into, but if you think of it from a hurdle rate standpoint, you're putting the bar a lot higher. Margin of safety. Right, exactly. And so when that margin of safety kind of dwindles, you know, the risk reward dynamic can, can materially change. So definitely something to think about. And that gets right into our opportunity it's getting to a point where doing your homework and knowing where where that capital should be invested and how that capital should be allocated uh, is just becoming quite important. When you get to these lofty levels, if you will, and it's not lofty, it's just that we've seen this temporary run-up here in, in equity markets, knowing where you have that capital allocated becomes all that more important. Yeah, I think that'll be super important because from a short-term opportunity, you know, let's let's take it from fundamentals, doing your homework to more like technicals, price action. I think you could see a little more chasing going into year end here. Now, again, we're what practically a week from the end of the year, so not too long, but a large chunk of large cap managers are currently lagging their benchmarks on a year-to-date basis. They're going to want to show that, you know, they own some of the more popular names on the year, the names that have done well, try and do what they can to maybe get a little bit of a boost going into the end of the year. So you could see, I want to call it capitulation, but you could see some more maybe window dressing or moving into those names that currently have some momentum behind them right now. Do you kind of have to pay the piper after the end of 2023? Maybe you do, maybe you don't, right? The market can continue to stay overbought for a long time, but as far as in the short term, yeah, you could have a little bit of performance chasing here going into the end of the year. You know, people want to talk about the Santa Claus rally. That certainly could be could be a thing as well. I mean, we talk about the amount of money that's held in money market funds. And we thought that maybe with this pop in the stock market, some of those monies would start to sell those funds and reallocate or redeploy capital into the equity market, thinking that there are a lot of individual investors and institutional investors that from an asset allocation perspective have just been underinvested in equities. I mean, I think, Blaine, you highlighted that as of December 13th, money market funds were still towards their all-time high. Is, yeah. Is that and the last week on that 9 to 1 down day that we saw, you saw outflows from equities and fixed income. You saw it from both asset classes, and you saw it amounted to $400 billion. You also saw a massive inflow actually into the money market and into cash. So it wasn't that money in that instance went from one asset class in equities to fixed income. It was everyone kind of just left the markets and went to cash. So you still see this propensity for people to want to go into the money market and and find that safety, which from what we're talking about here is potential opportunity if that consensus shifts or if the market sentiment shifts uh you could see all that money start to flow back towards one of those asset classes and we talked about the law of conservatism which is for every buy there is a sell so cash on the sides isn't necessarily a thing but the question is where does the cash flow and at what price is the sale made so if do you see the money market funds rotate into the equity market just given how large 
that asset class has become, there's a lot of cash on the sides. And the question is, at what point do equity holders want to sell? On a relative basis, the money supply tends to expand. And you look at the shares outstanding in a lot of these great businesses, they're repurchasing shares. So shares are becoming scarce relative to the money supply. And if money starts to flow into the asset class, my inclination would be that the price goes higher as those people that hold the equities believe that they're worth more and don't want to sell at the spot price. Yeah, that's that gets back to, you know, Econ 101, right? Supply and demand. The less supply there is and the more the demand there is for it, you're bound to kind of have prices go higher. You know, our trader, Nick Hillstrom, he, he highlighted a really interesting point from Ben Graham's Intelligent Investor, I think last week. And he said that the time to buy stocks, according to the father of value investing, is when yields are actually towards their high. So if we've seen the high in these short-term funds or money market funds, pays to be overweight stocks in advance of the money shifting into that asset class. Yeah, and that makes a good point for what our threats could be. We've seen quite the rally in treasuries and in fixed income. We had one of the best rallies in the month of November that we've seen in multiple decades. With that being said, looking from a technical standpoint, the the longer dated securities and that duration ad that we've been talking about for a long time actually could be a temporary threat. In essence, are bouncing around and trying to find this new normal. Uh, The Fed still doesn't exactly know where that's going to be market participants are trying to price that in. You have some of the biggest banks out there having different projections as to how many cuts they're going to be next year. Uh, And as such, you tend to, in any sort of investment or asset class, you can see those oversells and overbuys. And this might be one of those periods where we have those overbuys, which if we see rates come back up, that's going to be a headwind for fixed income just on a temporary basis. It's not that it's long term, but uh, could increase the volatility that you see in that fixed income, especially if you've added duration. So it's something to be aware of and risk management, obviously, in fixed income is one of the most important pieces of of managing the the asset class and making sure you're not over your skis, if you will, on duration is something that you got to be very, very aware of. And then with strength, we talked about how lower yields had benefited small caps, financials, basically the broader market in general. So if you do see that oversold level from a yield perspective start to normalize, it becomes a headwind for the stock market as well. And we've talked about this. You're going to have these violent moves, going to have volatility in the markets. And this is one of those cases where you've seen volatility on the actual upside, not the downside. Everyone likes to talk about volatility on the downside. But you've seen it on the flip where it's everything's gone up. Everyone wants to feel good about that, but it's just being aware of could there be a temporary pullback? And if so, how do you manage that risk? And then reposition for going forward. And then with respect to everybody feeling good, I mean, the wealth effect certainly a real thing. And inflation expectations are at their lowest level in like a year and a half. So people have more of a propensity to spend because they're feeling wealthier. You do have the prospect of increased consumption driving at least a, an acceleration in inflation, just meaning that it moves from trending down to trending sideways at least. So we've continued to see the consumer be strong. And that even with what we saw with the employment numbers, the wage growth that we've seen, that that could, with this wealth effect, continue to be a a strong part of the economy that could reinvigorate some of that inflation. And if energy prices bounce back, that could be another spot where you see some of that inflation expectations creep back into the market. Well, and that's been one of the concerns that we've talked about as a team is like, do you you potentially see this whipsaw with inflation because of 
Fed maybe feels they need to lower rates. Let's say they do cut and consumer continues to be extremely strong. Markets have roared because obviously yields have come down. Things are a little more dovish. So people are feeling wealthier. They're spending more. And as rates are falling, do we get inflation coming back? What does that do going forward from a policy standpoint? We don't want to fear monger by any means, but does that mean that we have to see a whipsaw on rates? And now we're looking at yields moving up quite sharply again in a really short manner of time. I think things like that is why doing your homework is so important. And, you know, you can try and forecast macro and all that, and it's important to think about, but really doing the homework is going to be the key thing, right? Knowing what you own, looking at the businesses that you own, whether that be in equities or fixed income, extremely important stuff. Great point, Trevor, because we now have the market discounting six rate cuts into next year, and that's well ahead of what the Fed is saying that they believe will happen. And, you know, you just have this question, has the market gotten ahead of itself again? I mean, the the market from 2021 through 2022 was dramatically underestimating the willingness that the Fed would go to constrain inflation with respect to its predicted path of Fed rate hikes. I mean, the Fed significantly surprised. And now the Fed's saying, well, we're going to cut. And the market's saying, okay, yeah, well, they're coming down real quick. So if you do start to see that rebound in inflation or stronger economic growth driven by the wealth effect, I think the prospect of heightened volatility in the year ahead is increasingly likely. Good episode, guys. What's our headline strength? Santa Claus came for small caps. Headline weakness? The dollar's been dashing downwards. Headline opportunity? Stock picker's time to do some homework. And our headline threat? Could be a blue Christmas for bonds. There you go. Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 83. Trevor Nargis, Supervisor Trading Team, thanks. Hey, thanks. Jason Cooper, Research Analyst, thank you. Thanks, Danny. And Blaine Disrude, Research Analyst, thank you. Thanks, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.